Our scripture passage this morning is Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. If you would please stand with me now in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we pray that we would understand your plans for our lives. Father, so that we might follow them and walk in paths of life. That we might not veer off your path, but we would keep our eyes focused on you. Bless now the reading and proclamation of your word, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to talk about a garden. And so since we're going to talk about a garden, I kind of need to get a gauge on the audience here. So I'm not going to play any tricks on you. This is no trick questions. I'm not going to call on you. But I just need to kind of know to get a feel. So if you either have a garden at your house or you had one growing up or sometime in your life you've ever had a garden, I need you to raise your hand real quick. Okay? Great. Almost everybody. Put them down. Okay. Now, here's another question. Um, when that garden, when it was time to get it ready, did any of you or your mothers or fathers or whoever kept the garden, uh, did any of you just go out there and say, let me put some potatoes here and here and here and here and some corn, let me just toss it out and see where it goes and let me you know, kind of do like a bridal bouquet and throw some peas and, you know, don't, let me just randomly see what comes up. Did anybody plant their garden that way? Nobody, right? So every one of us, when we go to plan a gar plant a garden, we have a plan in mind. You know, I never saw my dad write it out, okay? There was, ne there was never any big chart, but he knew, oh boy, did he know, we got out there, and we were going to work on these rows, you know, and whether it was uh, planting or whether it was weeding or whether it was harvesting, picking, whatever. He knew exactly what it was. He knew how many rows of corn he was going to have, how many rows of okra, how many rows of peas. There was a plan that he planned. He knew, and, uh, you know, how much we needed, how much he could give to the neighbors, especially those neighbors who went fishing in the Gulf all the time, and we had a little garden for fish kind of swap going on. You know, he knew exactly what we needed for all those things. And imagine that if every single one of us plans our garden, and we don't even take the time to, like, you know, write it all out in a big map, but we kind of have a little plan in our mind. Imagine the plan that God had when he created the Garden of Eden. Imagine the magnificence. You know, we go to special places uh, 
Bellingrath Gardens or Bush Gardens or places that are supposed to be, ooh, ah, they're so pretty, they're so neat, and we see a well uh, landscaped house and we're, oh, that looks so nice. But imagine God's garden. Uh, imagine how spectacularly it must have been laid out. And he had a plan for that garden, and, and that's what I want us to talk about today. The Bible tells us that God created the man, and then he placed him in the garden. Now, I didn't really think about that much while I studied in that passage. Adam wasn't created in the garden. The Bible says, in these verses we just read, God created him, and then he placed him in this special garden that he had uh, provided and that he had planned for them. And he gave the man, Adam, Eve wasn't, hadn't come on the scene yet, God hadn't created her. So God is speaking to Adam as the, the father, the forefather of all mankind. He's saying, humanity, here is my plan for you. Here is what I want you to do. And in these three verses we read from Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17, he lays out his plan for the garden or his plan for creation. He tells him three basic things that he wants to see happen. Number one is to work. To work. Now some of you are like, Pastor Tim, this is spring break. How can you use that word work? And yet it is an important word any time of the year. God created us to work. Do you realize that? Some people who think about heaven, they say, oh, it's going to be so boring because I'm going to be like floating on a little cloud with a little loincloth, kind of looking like Cupid. No, that's not what heaven's going to look like at all. In heaven, we're going to be able to work without all the downsides, without, without all the thorns and thistles that came along. You know, the fun, the fulfilling parts of work when things go the way they should and you see that harvest, you see that reward of your hard work, that's what work's going to be like in heaven without all the frustrations that we experience here in this life. God created work, and it was a gift from God to mankind. This word work is, um, it is translated, if you look at the different English translations, there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's translated to tend or to care for or to till. But however you want to put it, God said, I've put a garden there and you're there to work it. You didn't create it. See, we didn't create this planet Earth. We can't say it's ours and we own it because we didn't create it. God did. But yet he gave it to us. He had entrusted it to us. And he said, I want you to work this garden. Work may be a dirty word in some circles, but work is a holy gift from God. And you know me as, as a pastor, those of you who listen to me long, I don't get political. You don't hear me talking about this party or that party and who you should vote for. But let me just say a biblical truth, and you can call it political if you want, but mark it down. The Bible says that work is of value. And so any political system or theology that downplays work, that says, oh, we don't need everybody to work, we'll just kind of give stuff to everybody, whether they work or not, whether they can work or not. We just, we just think everybody, nobody should be rewarded for work. Everybody should just get all the same stuff. 
any system or, the, uh, uh, or policy that promotes that type of thinking is anti-God. It is anti the values of his word because God created us to work. There is a certain dignity. There is a certain reward that comes from hard work. Now, look, I'm not talking about people who can't work because of physical problems. I'm not talking about people who are out of work because they've lost a job, had to leave one job, and went to another. That's awful. For someone who, who actually wants to work and to not be able to, that's, that is a terrible place. I remember I went through a period of time before I was here where I went through a, a short period of time. It, it was less than a year, just a few months, but it was awful. I'd go to a place, oh, you're overqualified. We can't hire you. Go to another place, oh, you know, we know you won't stay. I'm like, I just need something to work. I just need to put food on the table for my family. And it's an awful feeling if you want to work and cannot, whether that be through situation or through your physical ability. So I'm not talking about those situations. But I'm saying that people who choose not to work, just because they don't want to, because they'd rather live off the government or off of somebody else. God has a strong word for them, and that is they are falling away from his plan. There's all throughout the Bible, the, the Old Testament in the laws, the Proverbs, talking about the foolishness of the lazy man. You get over to the New Testament, and, and Paul especially, boy, he kind of goes off on this many times in letters to different churches. In, in, in Thessalonians, he wrote two uh, letters to those people. First Thessalonians, he kind of talks about it in, in two different places, about, hey, work with your hands, work hard, uh, don't, don't be a freeloader. And, and apparently, they were still having problems with this sometime later when he wrote the book of Second Thessalonians. And there were some people who just weren't getting the message. And this was so serious that in Second Thessalonians, Paul said, do not associate with any brother, anyone who calls himself a brother, and yet will not work. In other words, you know there's very few things in Scripture that it says to uh, don't get yourself by, separate yourself from these other believers. Very few. They're either living incredibly immoral lives, or they're causing division in the church. And the third thing that Paul warns us about, he says, don't you stay around people who are complete freeloaders. That can't be tolerated among God's people. Now, again, this is not without compassion. Paul talks about bearing each other's burdens. We all need help from time to time. We all need encouragement. We all need support. Some people go through mental or physical things where they cannot work. It's not, nothing about that. This is about those who can work. Because when we are, have the ability to work and yet we reject it and we refuse it, then we are turning away from God's plan for us. We're turning away from the way that we were designed. So God's plan for the garden, number one, involves work. Paul also talked about people who are becoming Christians, coming from uh, other life Choices, And he says, those who steal must no longer steal, but work with their hands. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, he says, someone who does not provide for their family is worse than an unbeliever. Work 
is God's plan for us. Secondly, protect. God's plan for the garden, for mankind, was to protect. Not only to work it, to work creation, but to protect creation. This is translated here, sometimes keep, maintain, watch over. There's all sorts of different words for this. But the basic idea is one of conservation. That is, we enjoy creation and all that it's given uh, to us. But we do it in a sustainable way. We enjoy creation in a way that not only we can enjoy it, but our children and our grandchildren can enjoy it as well. We are to guard, to keep watch over creation, just as Adam and Eve were to keep watch over the garden. And like I said, that can be translated several ways, but the most interesting way it's used, uh, translation, is guard. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. So we're to work in creation. We're to protect creation. And then we're to enjoy creation. Or if I could borrow a phrase from the beverage industry, enjoy responsibly. We need to enjoy creation responsibly. God gives us boundaries. He wants us to enjoy his creation, but yet he wants us to do so within certain boundaries. Let's, let's just listen to what he says again in verse 17. Let's start with verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, a couple things strike me in this verse. First of all, this was the very beginning of the all-you-can-eat buffet. Isn't this amazing? God says, look, I made this spread. Every kind of fruit, every kind of vegetable, everything you could possibly imagine is all here. And it says you can freely eat whatever you want. This is better than any buffet you've ever seen. This, this is the freshest produce you've ever seen. They didn't have to wash it to get the insecticides off of it. They didn't have to worry about being old. This was an amazing choice. And God said, I want you to enjoy it. You know, enjoyment and work are not mutually exclusive. It's interesting, though, that he gets to the enjoyment part after he talks about working and protecting, and then he talks about enjoying. You see, when we work hard, and we do so not in a selfish way that's just about us, but we do so in a responsible way that thinks about others in society and thinks about um, future generations. God says when we've done that, then we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. We can enjoy what we've done with our hands. And that's God's design. He wants us to enjoy. God is the creator of fun. He's the creator of joy. He's the creator of enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy and, and take pleasure in the good things that he's created in this life. But he wants us to do so responsibly. And, and he gives us boundaries. And, and, you know, it's so funny that, that sometimes we think, oh, God's put us so many rules. If only it were simpler, if it only it were easier, then I could live like I'm supposed to. And that's a lie from the devil. Because Adam, he had one job. You had one thing, Adam. Everything else, 
he's in the world's greatest buffet, and God said, oh, by the way, that one thing in the center, make sure you pass over that. Just don't eat from that one tree. Everything else is yours. And Adam still messed that up. He had everything else in the world. And it just goes to prove that if, if it was easier, we wouldn't live more like Christians. We would still find that one way in our selfishness when we listen to the lies of Satan. Because Satan started that mission back in the garden, but he hadn't stopped it. Until the last day when he is locked away forever and put away forever, Satan's goal and his plan will be to whisper his lies in your ears and tell you, you know, those little boundaries, those little rules that God made for you, they're, they're, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, what's really going to happen if you, if you, that's just, I mean, it's a fruit like any other fruit. You've been eating from every other tree. What's the big deal? Eat from this tree too. In fact, you'll be better off for it. You'll be like God. He's afraid of you eating from that tree because then you'll be like him. And the devil's lies that started in Eden continue today. And they tell you, you'll be better off if you don't follow God's plan. You'll be better off. Those rules are for other people, but you're special. Your circumstance is different. Nobody understands you. It's okay. God didn't mean that rule for you. And he whispers those lies. And today, after thousands upon thousands of years, we're still buying them. We're still buying them. God put this fruit out there. By the way, you know, God always blesses us abundantly. He provides our needs and some. You know, he could have provided food, and it could have been like rations. You know, it could have been like military rations or, you know, roughing it, camping food, you know. But no, the Bible says that the trees were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. God put all this stuff out here. And, and creation, again, God didn't have to make beautiful sunrises and sunsets. Uh, he, he didn't have to make the stars be so amazing at night. But he did this for us because he wants us to enjoy it. But we enjoy it responsibly. God's plan is pretty simple for our responsibility on this earth as human beings, how we're to, treat, to behave and to treat creation. We're to work hard. We're to protect that creation, good conservation. And then we're to enjoy it responsibly. Enjoy it within God's boundaries. And everything goes great when we follow those rules. But when we don't, there are inevitable consequences. And that's the fall of mankind, beginning with Adam and Eve. They experienced that spiritual death where they lost that connection with God. And, and, and they were thrown out of the garden. And here's the really interesting thing. You can't catch this really in most English translations. But if you look over um, to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24. This is after God has banished him from the Garden of Eden. 
And it says this. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Remember I told you that word guard was going to be important? It's the exact same word that we were looking at in chapter 2. We're seeing here in chapter 3. In other words, God told mankind, guard this garden. Protect it. And Adam and Eve, our forefathers, foremothers, however you want to say, they broke the rules. They didn't guard the garden. They didn't do things the way God wanted them to. And we move to chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. And God has said, you are no longer allowed in the garden. And he places that angel there with the flaming sword. And he uses the exact same Hebrew word to guard the garden. When mankind did not do what they were supposed to do in guarding creation, they were then unable to enjoy the Garden of Eden God said, now you will be guarded from the Garden of Eden because you did not guard the Garden of Eden. You did not protect it. You did not take care of it. And so now you will lose the ability to enjoy what I have created for you. You know, when we think about these issues of hard work and of taking care of God's creation... Once again, they can get very political, but they don't have to be political at all. It's very simple what God said. I've given you this earth. It's mine, but I'm created for you for your enjoyment. You work it, you take care of it, and you enjoy it within the responsibilities that I've given to you. Within those bounds, I want you to enjoy life. As long as we do that, things are great. But when we fail at any of those things, when we fail to work, when we fail to protect or guard what God's given to us, when we fail to enjoy responsibly God's creation, then there are consequences. And those consequences mean loss. They mean us not enjoying all that God had planned for us because we blew his plan and didn't follow it. I encourage you today to be thankful to God for creation. Sometimes it's hard when you're thinking the next flood is coming and you're starting to look up Noah's plans and, and you're, oh, God, the rain, we've all felt that way. But he really has given us an amazing creation for us to enjoy if we'll work it and we'll guard it the way he planned for us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing world that you've given us. Thank you for the fact that, um, God, even though we've messed up a lot, <laughs> we, we've, we've marred some things, we've allowed some things to happen that we shouldn't, because of your grace and your mercy, we can still continue to enjoy creation. Everything may not be as perfect as it was in the garden, but you still bless us and we still see your goodness every day. 
Your word tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. All we have to do is look up at the stars at night or the beautiful skies in the day, and we know that you're there and that you've created this world for us out of your love for us. God, help us to be obedient to you. Help us, God, to follow your plan so that way we may please and honor you, but God, also so that we can enjoy life fully the way you designed for us to do. Lord, we ask that you be now with us during our invitation. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.